We're so worried that we're not going to look serious that we wind up watering our elevator pitches down to a degree where they lose their potency. You're listening to Your Sales MBA with Cece Aparo and Jeff Hoffman. Hey guys, Cece here. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Your Sales MBA. The episode you're about to hear is actually a clip from our live webinar series, Tuesdays with Hoffman. Every week, Jeff and I have been sitting down to talk about a sales topic requested by our audience. And in this week's episode, we are talking all about how do you craft a sales pitch that is both powerful but appropriate for the world that we're living in. Take a listen. And if you want to join us on our weekly webinar series, we'd love to have you. Visit sellhoffman.com for more information. And now sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of Your Sales MBA. Let's go right into the challenge and the, and the solution for, 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 for the elevator pitch, which is something that I think salespeople, everyone assumes we're good at this. But we're not. We're horrible. You and I have sat in on thousands of calls and we have heard thousands of pitches and they all suck. Why, why is it so hard for us to come up with a good elevator pitch? Let's start there. It, it really is because of one specific reason and it's the sales rep's ego. Mm, tell me we are so, we're so worried about looking cheesy or looking like, you know, that's car salesman or insurance salesman. We're so worried that we're not going to look serious and we're not going to look like mature and sober that we wind up watering our elevator pitches down to a degree where they lose their potency because we're so worried about how they look that we don't want to say anything that might be looked at as, Oh my God, look at you. Or wow, that's crazy. Or how do you do that? Like we don't want that reaction, even though we say we do because we want to have this kind of weird, you know, non cheerleader kind of voice. Now I'm with you on being taken seriously and I'm with you on being sober and, and have some gravitas. But um, not the elevator pitch. The elevator pitch is designed to showcase your bombastic nature. It is designed to show the prospect how into this you are and to challenge them to meet your level of passion. It's a, it's a, it's a, if you think about what its purpose is, it's actually a lot of fun, but it's kind of been kind of watered down over, over time to be this kind of silly little SIC code definition that we give and hope that they don't like, you know, hang up the phone and they just go, oh, that's interesting. So yeah, I think it's mostly our problem. So, all right, for the purposes of this discussion, I'm going to need you to define what an elevator pitch is because we mm -hmm. pitch a lot throughout the sales process and sure. there are different pitches used at different times, but right now we're talking about an elevator pitch. So Let's get like really in the weeds for a second. What is an elevator pitch? So first off, great question. And I don't, I hate the term elevator pitch. <laughs> I hate the term elevator pitch because when are we in elevators giving pitches? Like never. So I don't know why we call it that. The idea is that we have a captive audience for X number of floors. You have a minute or two to get your point across, whatever. I look at the, the purpose of an elevator pitch is to bridge the elements of attention and interest, which is relatively early in the process. So relatively early in the process, we do prospect and we, we try to get engagement. We try to get attention, try to get you to look at my email, try to get you to pick up the phone, try to get you to look at my post on LinkedIn. If I'm successful that you look at me, I've got this really brief window to get your attention quickly, or you're going to move on to something else. 
the getting the interest part, well, that's largely your discovery call. That's doing your demos. That's doing your descriptions. That's doing objection handling, competitive positioning, all that fun stuff. To get the right to do that interest meeting, discovery meeting, after a cold call, you probably need some tools that will let you bridge the, I'm sorry, what is this about? To, oh, okay, I understand now, I'll give you 30 minutes. The elevator pitch is designed for that. But if you think about it, having one elevator pitch, therefore, is a bad idea. Because we probably need multiple elevator pitches for multiple things. The two big ones, we need an elevator pitch to command an answer to the question, what do you do, when the person who asks, what do you do, is potentially a buyer or end user or influencer. So if the person you're talking to is in, the, is in the room of buying, we need an elevator pitch for when they ask us, what do we do? What's this call about? We need a different elevator pitch when we're delivering that elevator pitch when the question, what do you do, comes out of the mouth of a non-buyer, like a gatekeeper or a referrer or someone not in the organization or an inbound lead. So we need, we probably need more than two, but you definitely need two. You need an elevator pitch for people that are going to use or understand or need to get excited about the product. And you need another elevator pitch design so the person knows where to send you so then you can pitch to someone else. So we'll start with that. And those are the two that I like to start my process of building on. And there are some guidelines too we'll talk about on how to do that. Okay, great. Well, let's talk about the second pitch. Mm-hmm. Are we, are, well, in your, how you just explained it, the first pitch, when you do land in front of a buyer, we'll get mm-hmm. to the gatekeeper in a minute, but you land in, sure, someone, sure. in front of someone who is part of the buying process. Yeah. What are the signs that you should be looking for to know it is time to pitch? Because there's specific things that the buyer says, or there's specific things that they're yeah. doing. You can't just launch into it when you get someone ans- to answer the phone. Hi, I mean, yeah. You, you, yeah, you can't just launch into it without any preamble because it's just bizarre. So yeah, you, you can't just, hi, hi, this is Susan. Hi, Susan, would it save you money to I don't know, say some nonsense just over the phone? But so you definitely need to have the invitation. The invitation is going to come in the obvious way. They ask you what you do. But the places I look for to drop an elevator pitch is generally when the prospect acknowledges my offering or my company in reference to the vertical I'm in or even a competitor. Oh, right. You're a sales training company, right? Says the prospect. That would be the moment I drop my elevator pitch, right? Say something like, well, not exactly. Actually, what we do. And we'll be giving you some examples of elevator pitches, but that's a place where I'll drop it. If once someone comments on the industry I'm in or any kind of preconceived notion I have about my product or service, or if they mention a competitor, I'm going to drop the elevator pitch. Another place I'm going to drop an elevator pitch is when I'm commenting to the prospect on something about their world that they start to respond to. So if I'm talking to a prospect about something I know about their company or their website or their organization and they're chatty and they offer up information, it's a really good place to contextualize your elevator pitch. So the customer is like, you're like, so how many reps do you guys have? And the the customer says, um, uh, well, we have uh, 40 reps in five different locations. So well, what are the, uh, how are they uh, structured? Well, we have 20 that are BDRs and we've got another 10 that are outside reps, another half dozen that are reps that are post-sale account managers. And then you could drop your elevator pitch. Well, you know, a lot of organizations rely on us for exactly these kind of moments um, because our modular approach is precisely done so that all of your reps get the training they need without wasting their time on training they don't. 
That little bit I said at the end was an elevator pitch, and I use it in other places. But it fits well here because the customer is talking about their world, and I can contextualize it. So elevator pitches rarely live on an island. When they live on an island, they get stranger and stranger. And if we're going to isolate an elevator pitch, then I'm going to advocate we do something crazy, which is actually get even more bombastic and more strange. So let's talk about that a little bit, which I'm excited. Yeah, tell me what you mean there. Yeah. So, okay. So let me share with everybody on our call the world's worst elevator pitch. This is how you know you did a horrible job. You're, you're talking to a prospect or customer, and they ask you what you do, or you bring up your elevator pitch. And after saying your 30 or 60 seconds, they do this. The silent head nod, meaning I don't want to talk about this anymore. <laughs> this is horrible. I don't want to hear another word about it. Elevator pitches are designed to stoke interest, and we know we have interest when we have engagement. So it ha- they have to say something. They have to say something like, wow, or how does that work? Or I don't understand. Or how would that work here? Or I don't think I get it. Or, oh, so you do this. Like any kind of response to your pitch is probably okay. The non-response is horrible. Now, some of the elements in writing a good one are some of the things you're probably already doing, which includes brevity, because a shorter elevator pitch is probably pretty good. If you think back to great taglines in U.S. advertising history, you think about something like um, Just Do It by Nike. What's curious about the Just Do It tagline, not an elevator pitch, is that it never has the word shoe in it. It doesn't have the word F. They don't say Nike, the world's greatest creator, uh, manufacturer of athletic footwear and apparel. No, it's Just Do It. And the point is this. Your elevator pitch should not be descriptive. It should not describe what you do. It should describe the benefit or the joy that your customers get when they buy it. My favorite elevator pitch of all time is always the same. It's been those, and they don't do it anymore. I wish they would, but they did it for a long time. If you bought a a Mercedes on a lot in North America, and at any moment you said to the salesperson, boy, God, 70 grand, that's a lot of money for a car. Every single rep in North America would have the same elevator pitch. Boy, $70,000 is a lot of money for a car. Ma'am, it's not a car, it's a Mercedes. That's the elevator pitch they use in that moment. What a killer pitch. Because if you think about what the pitch is saying, it's saying what? We're not arguing the price. We're arguing your definition of what we are. And we're not a car. If you want to buy a car, you can go down and get a Toyota or a Honda. People who want cars don't buy a Mercedes. They want something else. Now, if you're sitting there right now listening to this going, that's crap. Car's a car, four wheels and a steering wheel. Well, all right, you're not the, probably the Mercedes customer anyway. But if you do agree that while this car has a status to it or this car represents something with my station in life or this car would impress my potential customers so I'll buy one on sales calls, if you, have a, if you can nod your head, well, yeah, it's not really a car, it's different, well, then guess what? I've just eliminated the cheaper cars as a competitor to my sale because I've taken them out of the picture. Now, the, the magic, in that, in that elevator. I mean, it's not a car, it's a Mercedes. The magic is not the sentence. It's in the pause after the sentence. I mean, it's not a car, it's a Mercedes. The training that the rep gets on using this is actually in the silence that's required after they say it. Because this is what happens. I mean, it's not a car, it's a Mercedes. Now that's I mean, that's a pretty outrageous line and it does sound salesy and it doesn't sound natural and it doesn't sound organic or conversational. So it's going to put the, 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 rep, uh, excuse me, the customer in their tracks and they're going to be like, what? And they're going to look at you, or in this case, the Mercedes rep, 
You see, are you full of crap or are you serious right now? Is that just some goofy tagline or are you dead serious? You really think that? Because that's, that's a big statement. It's a very vulnerable statement to say something that others might find outrageous. So the trading is this. Maybe it's not a car, it's a Mercedes. Now imagine if I had said it like this. Ma'am, it's not a car, it's a Mercedes. And we're like, yeah, that little face, which is yelling you, look, I know I have to say that. My boss makes me say it. Well, then it would destroy the elevator bit. So the silence lets you know, not that Mercedes believes this. I believe it. So if you're going to challenge Mercedes, you'll be challenging me. This is a very interesting elevator pitch because it does more for the sales rep than it does for the product. And that's largely what elevator pitches do when done well. No one's going to fall in love with your product with an elevator pitch, but they may find you a little more curious or attractive if you give a good one. Because what the admission of an elevator pitch says is that I believe this. I'm all in even if you're not. And that takes courage and that takes leadership. And since we're asking prospects to change behavior when they buy, we have to give them the pace car of what a change behavior looks like. So we're going to use things like, well, we talk about hyperbole. What's hyperbole? CC, we talk about this a lot. We talk about the use of hyperbole. A lot of reps don't like it. Now, why do you think reps don't like hyperbole? How would you define hyperbole? Oh, God, Jeff. You're going to put me on the spot to define hyperbole? Well, hyperbole. I just realized I was talking for like six minutes. Are you I realized I was talking for six minutes and you didn't say anything. So I, was yeah. like, oh, well, I have so much to say, but then you put me over here. It's fine. Hyperbole is when you say something that is so outlandish and so ridiculous that everyone knows how outrageous it is, yes. but they're willing to go with it anyway. Yes. It's not a lie. It's everyone knows it's an exaggeration. Like I just had the greatest cheeseburger of my entire life. Now, no one in my world is going to think I literally meant of the 4,000 cheeseburgers I had. This was number one. <laughs> no one says, Jeff, will you stack rank all the cheeseburgers you've ever had and prove that? No, we know when I say it's the greatest cheeseburger I ever had, I'm basically saying this cheeseburger was delicious. And I'm giving you emphasis. You all seen the movie Elf. <laughs> Remember the scene where Will Ferrell, buddy, goes into the greasy, gross diner, and because he saw a sign in the window that said, New York's greatest cup of coffee, went in and said, hey, hey, congratulations, everybody. Good work. That's really something. And we laugh at that scene. We laugh at that scene because of the literal nature of buddy. If you're afraid to use hyperbole, then you have the sophistication of Buddy. Because the only person who doesn't get hyperbole is Buddy. <laughs> Everyone else does, so use it. And by using hyperbole, you're not saying, this is the greatest product ever. You're saying, I believe this is the greatest product I can find to sell, which happens to be factual because you took a job there. You know, Jeff, we have a question that I wanna to get to in a minute, but I wanna go back to something that you said earlier on that pause right after, ma'am, it's not a car, it's a Mercedes. Yeah. One of the questions I wrote down and one of the questions I hear from reps all the time is, what do I do after I say my pitch? Like, I just went through my pitch and then part of what is so awkward about giving your pitch- Is that pregnant pause and that like, all right, so you have two choices here too. I think my favorite is to let that thing sit in the air until someone breaks the uncomfortableness and since I've decided I won't break it, that means it's guaranteed they will. Mm -hmm. So I'll give the pitch, let it sit and simmer, 
and let them break it with either another question, a follow-up, or some kind of response, like a laugh or something from what I said. I like that. But if that's giving you too much pause, the pause, then effective elevator pitches can also include the last bit being a question. So, for example, one of the elevator pitches that, that I use in what I sell, which is these kind of services, but the companies that are doing this more you know, on demand for custom training, is I'll call a VP of sales. And I'll say something like this. It'll be on a call. I might say something like, um, uh, hi, CC. Uh, we've never spoken before, but um, this is my very first call to you. And I got you live. And when you hire me, I'm going to teach your sales reps how to do the same thing. Okay. So that would be my version of an elevator pitch. Now, I, now but let's break it down for a minute and what I've said. And I'll say it again. Hi, uh, CC. We've never met before and I don't know you. But I got you live on the very first call I made into you, uh, into your office. And when you hire me, I'll teach your sales reps how to do the same thing. So now I've said it twice. You can clearly see I've rehearsed it because it sounds basically the same every time. All right, let's break it down. What do you hear, CC? Because there's some elements in there that you probably hear me do. What's some of the things that I, I'm doing in there that gets people to respond? Well, there's the assumptive close that's in there. When you hire me. When you hire me. Oh, and assumptive close just means I'm closing for an, or I'm presenting a situation that's post-sale. That's what an assumptive close is. So if you're talking about training or integration or delivery or the results of your product, it, it's always good to focus people on the post-sales experience early because it gives them the feeling of this is what happens when you buy. What else? There's nothing that talks about the features and functionality of what we are at Hoffman in your pitch. In fact, I never even mentioned the word sales training. Nope. You want to know why? Because if I say to CC, the VP of sales, I've never met before, ICC, we've never met before. I work, my name is Jeff Hoffman. I have a sales training company in Boston and I like to dot, dot, dot. Guess what? CC knows what sales training is. Yeah. And unless I got so lucky that CC was thinking about sales training the moment she picked up the phone, this is not in her radar. But she knows what it is. She has people on her team that works on it. And this is something she understands that's not a priority. I'm going to be flushed down the toilet in about 10 seconds. So I purposely didn't use the phrases that would inspire Cece to have a knee-jerk reaction and not actually hear me. Did a couple other things, too. I got you live. Got you live. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the elements of his elevator pitch, very, very powerful, is when you focus on your strengths. If you rate an elevator pitch so good that your competitor can use your pitch against you, you wrote a bad pitch. You wrote a pitch for your vertical, not for your company. There has to be elements in your pitch that highlight what makes you special. What makes our, us special at Offman? A lot of things. But one of them is that we have labs in our training that allow for our students to practice the techniques during the training. So instead of doing a role play on an email, they write an email and send it. Now, if you've never been through sales training, you might think, well, doesn't everyone do that? Strangely, no. Most of these sales training companies we compete with don't. Everything's in Acme, Inc., and Widgets, and it's all pretend, and you don't actually do the, the work. So that's a differentiator for us. Now, some prospects like it, some prospects don't, but we like to lead with it because it makes us different. I got you live on the first call is advertising some of the elements of our, of our offering without even doing that. Mm -hmm. I also said, when you hire me, we'll teach your reps how to do the same thing. I'm focused on the result not the purchase. It's yeah. not about our sales training that's so amazing. It's what your reps do with it that's amazing. And those are all core elements to this pitch I'm trying to write. When I give that pitch, 
to the head of HR? No, no way. Why not, CC? Because that's not something that the head of HR is even thinking about. And if the head of HR runs an L&D team or has that sitting under them, they have that knee-jerk reaction of we can handle this internally ourselves. That's right. And to, but to answer your, your first question about how do I handle the silence, you heard the elevator pitch, but I said I could do an elevator pitch. I have silence and let it linger. But I also could do it with a question, and this is how it would sound. Hi, CC, we've never met, but um, I got you live on the very first call. And when you hire us, we'll teach your sales reps how to do the same thing. Do your reps have KPI phone goals? Mm-hmm. So that's the same pitch. I tagged on a little question at the end. I don't think it's as potent. But for those of you listening going, I want to do this, but that's a little much. Okay, we'll add a question to the end because it forces them to engage. But don't ask a question about like, doesn't that sound good? Or wouldn't that be wonderful? Oh, those are horrible, horrible, stale closing questions. Rather ask, do you do something this way to start the conversation? So either way is how I do Hi again, Cece here. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode of Your Sales MBA. If you want to make sure that you never miss an episode, don't forget to go on to iTunes or Google Play or Spotify, wherever you're listening to this, and subscribe, rate, and review as we love hearing from you. And if you want to get your sales questions answered, feel free to send it to us at podcast at sellhoffman.com. We'll see you next week. Happy selling. Happy selling.